Hey guys, Jake here. Just wanted to give you a quick heads up before the episode starts. As you can tell from the title, this is a bonus episode in which Dustin and I cover two different films, and not to spoil the illusion of the podcast for you, but we recorded these two episodes on two separate weekends. Because of this, the sound quality is noticeably different between the two of them. I know, we're bad at podcasting, sorry. On the plus side, the second half of the episode, Fun and Fancy Free, was recorded in a bedroom rather than the echoey-ass kitchens and dining rooms we've been recording in previously. Uh, So when you get to that part of that episode, you will undoubtedly notice that we no longer sound like we're recording inside of a tin can. Hooray! Unfortunately, you will also notice that uh, I was sitting quite a bit closer to the microphone than Dustin was, so sorry. I'm kind of loud in that one. But bear with us, like we said in the intro episode, we're still new to the world of podcasting, and we're kind of figuring things out as we go. So, thanks for sticking with us, guys. Now, enjoy the episode. Dudes watch Disney Podcast. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's our podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dudes Watch Disney, another bonus episode. This time we are covering uh, Make Mine Music and Fun and Fancy Free. Uh, These are the third and fourth of the group of six bullshit uh, films that we're covering here that came in between Bambi and Cinderella. Uh, Just a quick recap, we've covered, so far, we covered uh, Saludos Amigos and The Three Caballeros, which kind of went hand in hand. These two, not so much hand-in-hand, hand, but whatever. We're going two by two, so... did uh, You do more re- research for the show than I do, um, mm-hmm. as we talked about in the previous episode, where you do all the work of the editing and also put yes. more work into this. I'm keeping the ship afloat. Do we know why they decided to do these movies this way? Is it just like if we lower our production costs and put less work into these, we can spin them out faster? Like, Well, I directly ripped a big paragraph from Wikipedia and put on my notes here. Oh, well, there you go! During the Second World War, much of Walt Disney's staff was drafted into the Army, and those that remained were called upon by the U.S. government to make training and propaganda films, and as a result, the studio was littered with unfinished story ideas. So, in order to keep the feature film division alive during this difficult time, the studio released six package films, including this one, made up of various unrelated segments set to music. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, speaking of those propaganda films, have you ever seen the one where Donald Duck is a Nazi? Oh yeah, that's not cool. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's a war. I understand things are going to change, but like, there's some ridiculous like Asian stereotypes and shit. It's not not a fun film. Could be fun to review. Could be. We'll have to consider that, I guess. Or why we're negotiating this on the air. <laughs> I think we got plenty of racism to deal with in other <laughs> Disney releases anyway. So perhaps so. But yeah, uh, Make Mine Music is the, the film for today. Also, my name's Jake. I don't think I said that. I'm still Dustin. In case you uh, haven't learned. Let's just start with the title. I have no idea what that means. That's yeah. a dumbass title. No. Yeah, I got nothing. Like, Make Mine a Cherry Pie, like yeah, you I'm might say, for your dessert or something like that. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, alliteration. But we're all about M's on this podcast. True, so. but it's not well done. I don't understand why it's mine. I don't know. Make my music, that's okay. Make some music. <laughs> well, then that's not him. No. But anyway, the, the film we're dealing with is, uh, whereas before, you know, with Salados Amigos and Three Caballeros, to some extent, we had sort of a theme linking things together. Maybe not the entire film, but at least big sections of it. 
is this one? No. We just got ten little shorts. All of them are musical or set to music, somehow involving music, some more so than others. Right. But. This is basically bootleg Fantasia. Like, <laughs> kind of. We took the like grandiose yeah. ideas of Fantasia we and watered chopped them, them way, way down. The down. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, and we'll notice this as we go through here, if Fantasia was paced the way this movie was paced, I would love Fantasia so much more. Yeah, like so? these individual segments are pretty boring and lame, but they're quick and they keep <laughs> they moving. Are. Like the Fantasia ones are initially really cool, but they go on. Right, yeah, Fantasia is so, two hours long. This one only one, and right. it covers more. Uh, so if shorts we in that had time, the so. same uh, sorts of shorts in the Fantasia, but they were all five minutes long instead of you know twenty in some cases. It'd be interesting, but Fantasia, much more grandiose, and okay. uh, I think trying to accomplish a lot more than these shorts are. These are just making it through an hour, I think. And much better animated, too. Like, you can tell right away, this right, does yeah. not look Disney. Some of this uh, barely looks Warner Brothers quality for the time. Like, it is just, what yeah. the hell are we doing? Now, some of it's that way on purpose. We have the simple, like, hand drawings and the, like, jazzy section that we'll get to uh, in, the, in the second short. But right. Even like the if you compare like the opening short, the Blue Bayou to like Bambi, for example, which is I guess the best example of Disney animation that we've gone through yeah, so far, so. like with the forest being so lush and, and layered. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, not even close. <laughs> no, just as it's like blue squiggles. Right. Well, I mean, a massively smaller budget than as opposed to Bambi is going to affect that. Uh, also, something missing from this one. Uh, you know, Fantasia kind of explains itself at the beginning. Says like, "Hey, this is what we're gonna be. This is the framework." No, nothing really uh, connecting these shorts together. It's just you put it on, and then it's like, "Here's the title of the first one. Let's go." Yeah, we do have some voiceovers in between each short where they, I guess, kind of introduce them. They say the title of them, that kind of stuff. Basically, but like, it's a title card. Like, it's yeah, not. It's like, not like we don't have. Here's like from you're right from the, from right. the beginning in Fantasia we set out. Here's the goal. Here's how we're going to do yeah. that. Here's what you should expect to see. Yeah, which uh, might as well jump into the the first uh, short that we get. Uh, it's introduced as a tone poem. Most of these are introduced with some sort of uh, you know like phrase uh, to describe what we're going to be getting, both from like a musical standpoint and just a presentation standpoint. This one's described as a tone poem, and it's called Blue Bayou, and. Uh, Notice for all of these, uh, I've, I've written a little like summary of what the short is. Uh, all of them, I try to make them sound as impressive as possible. This one, a pelican walks through a swamp. Uh, yeah, I think it's technically a heron, but yeah. Oh, I'm not good at birds. But uh, pelican's yeah, the one with the big ass beak, right? I think like, so, yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I wrote heron swims and flies. That's all I wrote <laughs> for this one. And I mean, that's, we could just move right on to the next one from that if you want, but it's. Uh, I think it would be cool if you were still putting all the work into it that you did with Fantasia and all the details, or even, you know, Bambi, whatever. Uh, we don't really have that. So we have, like, a bird, and then later a couple of birds. Right. And, but no real detail. It's just and boring music behind them. It's not, yeah, like... It's a dull, like, fluttery kind of song. Uh, the lyrics are just, like, in the blue bayou. Like, there's nothing to it. It's just background music more than anything and disappointing for me because there's also a uh a pop song called blue bayou that i thought this was going to be uh, roy orbison did the first version that was later covered by linda ronstadt mm-hmm. so i thought maybe it would be that then it was not that's and disappointing it's like oh yeah and okay. i was puzzled because like 
everybody, you know, opening scene, we're all sitting down in theater ready to watch something, you know, especially since you're mostly marketing towards children. You think you want to start with something kind of upbeat, like something to hook people in? Uh, I don't know, because this is like starting out with a sleeping pill. It's just doesn't seem like what I like, even if we just rearrange a few of these, because piece number two, I think, would get people. Did the people go in? A little bit. I mean, you can have your ballads and things like that, but I don't know that we put them in the right places in this one. I don't know. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really all there is to the opening one. A pelican, he's flying around, and then the song's over, and we move to the next thing. The next thing is uh, this one. The last one was a tone poem. This one is a jazz interlude, and it's called All the Cats Join In. Uh, hormonal teens have a dance at the malt shop. Is what I wrote for this one. Now this was this was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it. It still doesn't look like Disney. No, no. I like the you know it looks very simple pencil drawings. Maybe you know it almost. I wrote down it looks like a living uh, Archie comic. Yeah, sort, sort of. of. Um, we get uh, sort of a Disney thing that uh, we saw in. I think it was Salad. It was basically like a procedurally drawn animation sequence. Like you see, it was a watercolor thing in that piece. This one's just a pencil, like draw a yeah. character, character starts reacting, pencil draws like a car next to him, and the character gets in the car, starts driving. Yeah. And that's sort of fun. Yeah. I like this. It's playful. I enjoyed it. Uh, Some things that were less fun and more weird about this. Uh, lots of uh, upskirts. Yeah. Lots of. Uh, there's some nudity. Right. Uh, well, uh. Because it opens with the drawing of a kid and a jukebox. He puts a song on the jukebox, and then he calls someone on the phone to play the song for him. I was originally concerned, because for some reason I thought he called his mom. Because uh, it was like, yeah, the, the woman looked older than him, I guess, and had, like, a small girl with her. So I thought, mom and daughter, let's hey, or like, mom and this kid's little sister, call him up, play the song for him. Oh, that's sweet. Oh, the mom's getting naked and hopping in the shower now to come see him. Uh, this is getting a little weird. And naked in front of a little kid. Yeah, I don't know. It's odd. Mm. Nah, I guess they were sisters. But then still, during the, like, getting dressed to go down to the malt shop, yeah, lots of lots of bloomers, you see. It seemed like this was more animated by, like, a Japanese studio instead of Disney. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh... They drive down to the malt shop, they pick up some friends, uh, they ignore the nerd girl on the streets that's wearing the glasses. Yeah, take that nerd. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, all, all the while we're playing, like, a big poppy, jazzy number, and uh, we're driving down, and then, like, they pass a cop on the way, so they gotta slow down <laughs> to pass the motorcycle cop. Thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, this was this was exciting, like, uh, you know, felt like watching Grease, or yeah. Happy Days, or... Uh, Made me want to have a Sunday. Yeah. Uh... I wrote down more butts at one point. Was there? A, oh, there was a butt thing. Uh, as we're drawing, as we're drawing things with this pencil here, uh, a woman gets like drawn to life, but they draw her with you know uh, too big of a butt, and the guy that's looking at her like makes like a uh face and isn't interested, and she turns and looks at the pencil and is like how rude, and then they erase it and draw a smaller butt. If they remade the movie today, it would be I know the way around she'd that's start values, with a small butt. Values yeah. have changed since the forties. There you uh, go. How about that? Yeah, women's uh, women's figures in the nineteen forties very different from the desired womanly figure in the twenty teens. Is that what you call it now? Uh, beats me. No, no, butts are in. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So that's the main that. takeaway, as opposed to the forties. But uh, yeah, that's all for all the cats join in. Surprisingly, no cats involved in this one. So. Well, it's not that it's a cat swinging cat. Yeah, not uh, not a meow cat. Fair enough. We follow it with a ballad in blue, a song called "Without You." Uh, summary here: A person is sad. <laughs> yeah, I wrote colors in the rain. Yeah, 
I thought the rain effects were kind of cool. Like, uh, it looks like you're like looking through a rained on window into like a, so all the colors are kind of like smeared and you get like drip effects coming down. Felt kind of like I was at a car wash. So, you know, that's going to the car wash is fun. Yeah. And so while we don't recommend that you guys watch this movie, if you did decide to watch this movie, you would see what we mean by how quickly these are moving from short to short. Mm, You don't really have time to get bored between each one. We've got a new thing happening all the time. The shorts themselves, most of them are still not good or entertaining, Mm, but at least it's over already. Especially this one is like, okay, we're sad, but two minutes later it's over with. So, right. Now, the only one that really drags is the very last one, and we'll get there uh, later. But. Yeah, okay. But the, again, with the, like, I don't know what children's attention spans were like in 1946, but I can't see any kids still be making it past, like, minute 10 of this film. The way that we've arranged it with really dull, slow, uh, blue bayou, then something fun, and then back to being sad right away. Like, I mean, even... With like Snow White, as soon as we got to the, like the middle of the piece, we had to run, you know, run in the risk of dragging. Then here comes Dopey with all his wacky kid antics. Like, right. there's something to rope people back in, and this. We did talk about in the Snow White episode and in the intro about how maybe these early movies aren't necessarily designed for kids the way the later ones are. I mean, Fantasia is definitely not designed no. for kids. Uh, but it seems like once the budget goes down and you start doing three minute shorts, like what else are you advertising to? Yeah, but I think uh, I don't think kids dictated what their parents spent money on the same way in the '40s as they do now. That could be true. Like I think people who would be going to movies are people who could afford to go to movies. Yeah. Regardless of whether they had kids, so I don't know how much. I mean, I'm sure they dictate some, but it's not like they had like toy tie-ins and all that. Right. Obviously. But, uh, I don't know, would you want to go see this on a date with your, your best girl in the 40s? <laughs> I mean, you only have so many date options, like, True. maybe. I don't know. I mean, because you're still going, wow, that's a movie, I've never seen a movie before. Yes, like, but, I mean, 1940s, movies have been around for 20 or 30 years. If you're a young adult, you've had movies your whole life. If you But only if you, afford them. if you right. yeah, or if you lived close to a movie right. theater. Or, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but uh, we're about 15 minutes in and 12 of them have been sad and boring so far, so I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't know how well it would be uh, received. So yeah, we have nothing much to say about Without You, it doesn't sound like. Casey at the Bat, I yeah. was kind of excited. Casey at the Bat comes out next. When I, this one started. I always like the plot yeah. of the Casey and the Bat, that's a good poem. Everyone has to read this as a kid at some point, I'm assuming you guys all are familiar with it, but uh, if you're not, poem about a baseball team, uh, you know. There's the star player, Casey, is going to come up and win a home run, but he gets too cocky, and, you know, it doesn't, not to spoil the ending or anything, but Mighty Casey strikes out. Mm-hmm. There's no joy in Mudville. Yeah. Which is why you teach this to little kids about overconfidence, teach lessons about all that. There's a lot of cartoons, if you think of, like, Bugs Bunny cartoons, there's several of them that are set on a baseball field. Um, yeah. And it's because there's a lot to play around with there. you got the crowd, yeah. you got yeah. the interaction American with the umpire. Yeah. yeah. But, you, you know, there's a lot of elements you can bring into to the game. And uh, at the time, with baseball being much more popular in the 40s right. than it is now, you had an audience that knew a lot about baseball. Um, now you might do this with football. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know about that. But, uh, yeah, and I thought I thought the uh, just the general uh, artistic design of this one was a lot more fun. Not feeling very good. No, it didn't look at all. It looked like, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah, but I like Bugs Bunny. So. But I do, too. But it didn't, <laughs> and, like, we get... You know, when when Flynn comes up to bat, he's got a big, ridiculous, curly mustache yeah. that gets tangled up in his bat. Like, there's a lot of goofy stuff like that. Uh, right off the bat, though, I'm going to talk about the pitcher's motion. Uh, it's very unusual. I got to question the legality of it. 
there's a lot of starting and stopping. Yeah, and it seems like he would get called for balks a lot. I don't know. I don't know what the uh, the league management is like in Casey at the Bat World. I did think this was easily the least musical of the pieces. So True. I mean, they, it's just a dramatic reading. Right. Of they a poem. called it a musical recitation. Recitation, and I guess they at the beginning of the poem, there's some singing like with during the intro. But yeah, right. You're right. Less musical than the rest. Which maybe that's why I will say this is probably the piece I enjoyed the most. So that I think that could be related. But uh, plot wise, if you're not familiar with the poem, right? The it's the ninth inning. Uh, the pitcher gets the first couple guys out, then gets they, into yeah. a jam. They get some luck. They get uh, players on, or, or runners on second and third, and then here comes the big star hitter, Casey. He's going to come. As a baseball fan, uh, this is something like you live through several times a season where it kind of looks like, hey, my team might come back here. This is exciting. They were down. Now they're kind of working their way back. Maybe they got the big slugger coming up. Like, oh, man, we got a shot here. So, I mean, that's exciting uh, if you're into baseball. Now, I do have to question the manager of the other team, the team playing the Mudville 9 here. you got to get your reliever out there. Right? You think like, so, you yeah. You think the that's best pitcher's in a jam. It's yeah. the ninth inning. you got to get You your... can see how much you're sweating, too. Yeah, you gotta you got to at least have a visit. If not, go get your reliever. I don't know if that was the closer. I don't know if that guy had been pitching all game. I don't know the situation. Know. But you got to have somebody else, a specialist maybe, to deal with Casey. I right. don't know. Well, Casey deals with himself before well, it's yeah, over. Yeah, but the with. manager doesn't know that ahead of time. Because the, ball, the first pitch comes down, and Casey's like, that's not my style or whatever. And then the second pitch comes down, and he's reading a nudie mag wow. instead of swinging. And then it's like, okay, we get we do a good job of building up to the final swing. And then I do like that we just kind of cut to happy children and shit going on like that. Because then we get the actual final line, lines of the poem, which are somewhere men are laughing and somewhere children shout. But there is no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has struck out. So this is mostly just an excuse to talk about how fun of a poem it is, not right. how good this movie and is. And being but. the mature player that he is, he throws a giant-ass tantrum. Yep. Pouts about it. Mm-hmm. And then that's the end of uh, that little number, if you can call it a number. Uh, and then next we get... Uh, a dance to a song called Dinah Shore, and this one's just called Two Silhouettes. Uh, summary here. Uh, a couple dances. Also, there's naked babies. <laughs> the one thing I took away from this is that uh, I've learned doing this podcast that I cannot spell the word silhouette, because <laughs> I think in every page of notes I've had so far, I've tried to say, like, oh, he's silhouetted on the hillside and it's been red squiggle every single time I, this is the first time i tried to spell it and i spelled it correctly but i had to look it up afterwards oh, no. and be like did i all right <laughs> you thought microsoft yeah. word was lying to you well, I, I don't use word look oh, at me right you know i handwrite this shit fair enough which no one else would be able to read it um there are other podcasts i know where they like auction off their notes and stuff like you people don't want things <laughs> that's like, true uh, you're like hanging on your wall like I think it might be art I always screw up because I know there's an H in there and I'm, I'm proud of myself for remembering the H but then I put in too many L's I think and maybe it's the being off. a French teacher like maybe that's why I spelled it right I don't know could be but, but yeah uh, there's dancing uh, it's a woman and a man's like silhouette and they're dancing ballet together we and some to leaves see, flutter we get to see early use of uh, rotoscope here that's there. true yeah so it's kind of cool you get the live action dancers and then we use their the silhouette from that right also the animation yeah also the naked babies from fantasia come back uh they're not as weird because they're silhouetted so you don't see like uh genitalia this baby crotch like you did in that film but uh yeah they're kind of drawing the curtains on the scene and showing people in love again same way they did in that but if you watch this this would be another time you would notice just how different this movie looks 
from the earlier Disney movies that we reviewed. Like, it looks like very much like we tried to make the background as simple as possible sure, yeah. and maybe just some colors here and there and right. that's it. Like, And I don't really know like what this piece brought to the table. Like, I guess if you like the song that's being sung. Maybe you just want to show off that you know how to use rotoscope. I, don't I know. guess so. But like, compare that to like the design we had of the Mighty Casey cartoon. Like, there was comedy, there was character, like, and everything was designed so that you, or like, not even you, like, children as well watching this could immediately, like, latch on to story and motivations and, you know, Casey's confidence, the pitcher's anxiety, and, like, this is two shadows dancing to a love song. Uh, I mean, it kind of, it's difficult to understand, I think, now, but, like, back when variety shows were popular, you know, where you yeah. might have, like, a comedy act and then a dance number, and then or you'd have... I've never singer. understood the popularity you know, of that. They were, and it was something that would have been popular at this time, too. Right. And that's essentially, this is a cartoon variety show is what we've got here. I did all of that. Um, not an overly funny one um, at any point, but, no. but we've got a little of this and a little of that. Yeah. And next we get a little uh, Peter and the Wolf. Uh, I feel like everyone, maybe not everyone, but I feel like this is a pretty well-known, uh, everyone gets taught this uh, yeah, I think so. like orchestral music. piece in like elementary music yeah. class, because it's how you learn different instruments and what they sound like and what you can use them to represent. Like, uh, you know, the, the duck is an oboe, the bird is a flute, uh, the grandpa is a bassoon. And I, I like at the beginning of this, we get sort of an animation piece or an animation sequence showing us that. Like, we show a bassoon, and then it kind of, as it's playing the bassoon piece from the film, it kind of, like, transforms into, like, a silhouette of a grandpa, like, sternly talking. And Did you spell silhouette correctly on that one? Or? I don't think I wrote it anymore. Oh, okay. I wrote grandpa is a bassoon. <laughs> uh, images of the instruments taking the shape, transforming into the thing they're meant to represent. Then creepy looking wolf, because that's yeah, what comes on It's pretty scary. Um, yeah. I mean, not, I wasn't like actually scared of it. Uh, right. I don't want to, this isn't, you know, Maestro, the whale or anything. Monstro? No, I thought it was Maestro. Monstro. Um, <laughs> whip, go He's a magician. Not <laughs> Maestro. He's conducting the whale orchestra. Yeah. Well, there's a whale opera later, Ugh. so. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you're not familiar with sort of the plot of the piece, it's a small. You know, a small boy wants to go out in the woods and hunt hunt a wolf, but, uh, you know, his grandpa tells him not to. I was on the grandpa's side on this one, because the kid's got, like, a pop gun. He's not going to do... I mean, we've seen what the wolf looks like. He's pretty scary. So I was thinking, yeah, listen to Santa Claus, your fucking grandpa over there. I, he looked like Santa Claus. He did. It's okay. Uh, this one, sort of interesting. Uh, at this, this movie is at the end of World War II when this comes out. Uh, this is where tensions between the U.S. and That's true. USSR begin to rise. This is yeah. a you know, seemingly pro-Russian piece. Like it's a, right. I mean, we don't necessarily... I it is a Russian uh, symphony. Right, but we don't... You know, it's, I don't think you'd see a whole lot of pro-Russian things from this period no, on probably until not. the end of the Cold War, probably. I didn't think about that. Well, there you go. Uh, I yeah. So, yeah, uh, the boy goes out in the woods with his pop gun meets a bird. It's the same fucking bird from Three Caballeros that we talked shit about last week. But yeah, becomes friends with the bird, becomes friends with a duck, becomes friends with a cat that tries to eat the bird, because cats, you know, do that. Can't trust cats. Yeah. Also, the cat makes noises that sound pretty much exactly like Donald Duck, I noticed. But shows up, and uh, our narrator, Mr. Sterling Holloway, comes back again. Uh, he's, like, constantly fretting about Peter. Uh, Peter's the name of the boy. He constantly frets about Peter almost getting eaten. 
things look kind of dark because it looks like the duck actually does get eaten. Uh, Which in the original story he does. does uh, he Disney Disney it up. Yeah. But yeah, it appears the duck dies. It looks like the bird's going to die too. Mm-hmm. The bird, well, after the duck, quote unquote, dies, uh, the bird goes into like a rage mode and starts using the wolf's nose as a punching bag yeah. and <laughs> tries to peck out his eyes and shits. And things look bad for him, but then while the duck is distracting him, uh, Peter and the cat get a rope together, and they, like, hogtie the wolf's tail, and they're hanging from a tree, and then some, yeah, some Russian hunters show up. Uh, the hunters are basically Cossack stereotypes, but uh, one of them is very small, so that's where most yeah. of the humor comes from with them. Gets his nose and chin hung on the other one's butt cheeks. <laughs> like you do. When you're very small. Mm. And, uh, yeah, they see that uh, Peter's got the wolf pretty much trapped already, so they they bring him on home, and it ends uh, with a line that, like, oh, everybody's happy except the wolf. And then I'm like, yeah, and the duck that died. But then turns out duck duck girl uh, Sonia was her name. Sonia the duck did not die, and she was in the tree the whole time. So the wolf was captured, and everybody survived, and the birds are still friends. The animals don't have names in the original either. This I is figured that was added on. What if we gave them names? All right. Okay, I guess. I mean, the duck is a good name for it. Like, nope. Sonia. Yeah, Sasha the bird, which is a dude named Sasha, not a girl named Sasha. Okay. I didn't realize it was a gendered bird. Yeah, I think it's a dude. Okay. Interesting. I guess Sasha Baron Cohen. There you go. There you go. Uh, and then we get the Goodman Quartet performing something called After You've Gone, and it's a jazzy little number. Uh, summary here, musical instruments dance. Yeah, we've seen that a few times now. Right. In our Disney, uh, canon that we've gone through. Right. Uh, this one gets a little weirdly, uh, sexually deviant again, because, uh, we get hands playing on a keyboard, and then they turn into, like, naked can-can legs mm-hmm. with, like, it looked like butt cheeks, you know, when they turn away from the screen, too, so... I don't know. And then it got even much weirder because they, like, fused together, so it's, like, legs on top and legs on bottom, which is, like, some Silent Hill shit. It was really creepy. I mean, jazz music is a sexual music, um, especially yeah. that's the way it would have been seen at the time. True. Um, but, yeah, I agree. It is sort of strange. Yeah. But, yeah, the piece is just pretty much pretty colors, which I can see the kids being a lot more interested in pretty colors than they would have been in the ballet dance earlier, <laughs> the Blue Bayou, you know? Right. But uh, that's all for that one. And it's a safe way for uh, snobby people to go listen to jazz without having to be in a jazz club and right. rewarding themselves. Not having to like interact it. with black people. Oh, right. <laughs> we don't want to run the risk of that in the 40s. So so they could, you know, go to the movies and hear the jazz that way yeah. without having to... Uh, get, get white people Disney jazz. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, the band is fairly well known. Like I'm not familiar with the band. I just meant the presentation. Well, but the but good Goodman, right? That's it. Goodman yeah. Quartet is what yeah. I wrote down. They're, they're, I think they're well known. I think they're a big deal. Are, they, jazz are you pulling this out of your ass? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> My iPad is across the room, but I'm pretty sure they're a big deal, and I feel like our listeners, both of them, will agree with me. Yeah, you might be right. I don't know. Uh, then we get uh, a love story that is sung by the Andrews sisters. This one is called Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet. Hats fall in love, get separated, are sad. This one, I think, might be the only one I would want to watch again. I feel like this was interesting. could be a Pixar short. That's how much yeah. I enjoy the creativity of it. If you took out the singing, if you just had yeah. to imagine the plot just watching them, I feel it would like, be a yeah. Pixar short. That would be like the 
you know, the modern version is you can probably tell the story without having to, you can show the story very well with just the visuals right. and not having to do. That's a cool idea. Like, yeah. You know, it did it remind me of that uh, the Lava or whatever was before Inside Out. Mm-hmm. kind of made me think of that story. This was probably the piece where they mo- I most paid attention to the music involved, you know? Because I, mean, I guess you can't not pay attention because singing a story directly to you the whole time. Right. But yeah, uh, basically there's a fedora named Johnny and a blue bonnet named Alice that are hats in a windowsill and they... They fall in love and they imagine a beautiful palace together together made out of hat boxes, but uh-oh, somebody buys the blue bonnet for twenty-four bucks, I noticed is the line in the song. I think twenty-three forty-nine is what they say. Which in nineteen forties money, that's gotta be like a fortune, right? Like what happened to like gas was a quarter and sodas were a nickel and a hat twenty four goddamn dollars. Hundred dollar hat nowadays. Yeah, I don't know. It's an expensive blue bonnet. But uh so Johnny's sad and alone in the windowsill after that, but then he gets purchased too, so he's not feeling sad. He's out checking out other hats, uh, accidentally peeps on like a policeman uh, blue helmet looking thing. I don't know what you call those, but then he gets sort of reprimanded for that. But his, his plan is to try to find Alice because he misses her, and then she walks by and he flies off his own owner's head to try to catch her. But he doesn't. She leaves on a bus, and he's just, like, left in the street, gets picked up by a drunk vagrant, uh, gets worn into a shady bar where a fight breaks out, and that leaves him out alone in the streets again, looking bad for, for Johnny Fedora. At his possibly saddest moment, uh, he finally gets picked up and has holes cut in him, and you're like, wait, what the fuck, is, who's destroying this hat? But no, it's gonna be a hat for a horse, because uh, yeah. that's a thing, Horses wear hats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, this guy who's riding around in a carriage selling ice puts hats on his horses because the other hat on the other horse is Alice Bluebonnet. They are together at last, but they get to hang around horse shit all day, so it's a, it's a trade. Like I said, though, you know, pretty creative, uh, imaginative. Could be a Pixar short, which I feel like is a pretty big compliment. Um, yeah. Those are universally loved. I don't think you want it to be a fedora anymore. I think those have kind of been ruined by today's culture. But well, perhaps you have but to pick a different. It'd be hat. a hipster situation, like yeah. who knows? They take it to some sort of you know gluten free bar or something. <laughs> I was gonna say, what's another like uh, clothing item you could characterize pretty well? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Sunglasses. Give us sunglasses. Maybe do this with like tennis shoes. Yeah, maybe. And then someone buys like one of each shoe and wears one on each foot. So. Uh, Anyway, that's the end of uh, Johnny Fedora. And then we go into our final piece, which is uh, an opera. uh, It was titled Opera Pathétique, which I guess that's a thing. Just a tragedy opera. Pathetic opera. Yeah, it's pathetic. It's called The Whale Who Wanted to Sing at the Met. And I was going to write a summary sentence for that one, but they pretty much summed it up with the title. Pretty much what it's about. Now, the impressive thing about this one, and there's not much because it's pretty lame, but the impressive thing about this one is that all the singing voices are just one guy. um, That Some of it he did with his own voice, some of it they used some like studio wizardry to alter his voice a little bit, but I mean, that part is cool. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't... I mean, this was one of the longer pieces. It feels weird saying long when it's maybe 12 minutes, but that's Comparatively compared long. to the rest. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't, you know, overly bored by this one. I was paying attention and somewhat enjoying myself. Maybe it's because I thought the guy's uh, range of singing was very impressive. Well, that is true, yes. But I thought as a story, it was pretty... Yeah. Basically, there is a whale. We get, like, a spinning newspaper. Uh, 
headline says, oh shit, there's a whale that's saying at a boat, and this is what we're talking about in the 40s, because there's nothing else going on, I right. guess. Yeah. And this evil, like, opera leader, I, he had a name and a title, and I didn't learn that. The Impresario. There you go. The Impresario uh, sees this, and he realizes, oh, this whale will make me a lot of money. I need to go capture him and bring him to my opera. So that's, that's his goal. He gets a boat. He's heading out looking for this whale, which, of course, means that becomes a headline after that, which, you know, headline opera man looking for whale that sings. Right, these would be tweets, I guess, if we did this today. <laughs> Basically. Uh, but, you know, in out in the ocean, uh, somehow this newspaper washes up to where a bird's hanging out, and he is friends with this whale, so he's like, I gotta go tell this whale this impresario is looking for him. He's gonna get his big break. So we're introduced to the whale who's singing, uh, I wrote singing blackly. Uh, <laughs> he notes. is. He's, yeah, Mama's little baby loves shortening and shortening is, would be what he's singing. Yeah. To a group of seals who are also black. Which is not an opera song, like, uh, Not at all. The, I don't know. Yeah, because it said he was a singer. Is the whale meant to be black? Is this a black whale? Um, well, he is or, colored black. <laughs> well, yeah, I understand that. I don't know, like, though. I don't know if this is like the crows. He wasn't, you know, wearing yeah, he wasn't vagrant clothes and, yeah. and smoking cigars and jive talking. Well, no, so it wasn't. I no. I don't know. I don't know what we've we seen. Here. Disney draw black <laughs> a previous film. It just films seems back. like you could have had him singing anything. Like, why? Why? Public domain. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but. And, uh, yeah, we get we meet the whale. He's a lot less scary than Monstro, if you're ranking, <laughs> or Maestro, whatever. I was close. Uh, I don't speak Italian. <laughs> uh, I speak Olive Garden. <laughs> so he's singing, and then uh, Impresario's coming up on him in the boat, and he's like, oh, this is magnificent. I gotta have him, so let's shoot him with this harpoon. Right, like you do. Yeah. Well, the, the Impresario does not believe necessarily that the whale can sing. He right? thinks he's he swallowed a... Uh, Opera singer, right? Although he keeps pronouncing it, opera. Of course, oh, he does say opera. You're right. <laughs> Which made me think of when MTV made the hip opera of Carmen. Oh, where, yeah. You know, it had Beyonce in it. Mm -hmm. yeah. That just makes me think of Trapped in the Closet, which is a hip-opera as well. Oh God, I love Trapped I'm a big closet. fan of that film. Let's review that as a bonus episode. Oh, God. <laughs> Fuck Disney. <laughs> uh, how many chapters is he up to now? I don't know. I only have the first two discs, so... Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, uh, so he's going to shoot the whale, uh, but as the whale is singing, the sailors he brought with him on this boat, who he's telling to, like, man the gun, go shoot him, they're enjoying the show too much, they're clapping along, and they stop, you know, trying to shoot him, and this causes the impresario to get pissed, and finally, like, sailors sort of step away, so he tries to go shoot, uh, uh, shoot him shoot himself. <laughs> shoot him. He tries to go shoot the whale himself, but they, like, push him back and sit on him, so he can't do anything. At this point, we learn the whale has three uvulas, because he can sing uh, in three different octaves. He's a, a bass and a baritone. baritone, that's the one in the middle, and a tenor. Uh, so he's he's blasting forth in three-part harmony. Which just harmony. makes the, the impresario believes he's now swallowed three opera singers. As you do. You know. <laughs> three Jonas are I mean, in there. I mean, why would you believe the whale could sing? I mean, I get, well, he must have swallowed these singers. <laughs> And Pinocchio came back from that, so why couldn't these other singers? True, like, yeah. I get what the, impre the impresario, or whatever his name is, uh, is thinking. At this point, we start to get sort of visions of what the whale's life on, you know, Broadway is going to be like. Do Broadway have operas, or is that different? Where do operas perform? The Met, Op probably. Opera houses, yeah. yeah. Opera houses. So not Broadway. His life at the Met will be as a, as a pronounced opera singer. Uh, 
So we get to see the whale performing for a large audience, but there's also like sea creatures in the audience. So the uh, like the the audience themselves are covering them up with like newspapers from all the seagull shit that's gonna be above them. So I thought that was kind of cute. Uh, and then we get to see him as like Pagliacci because that's I guess that's an opera example we have to use in every opera related thing. Right. Uh, and then we also see him singing a duet with a Valkyrie lady, and then he's Satan after that. I didn't know there was a Satan opera, but apparently there is. I don't know opera. I don't either. A Mistopheles, Miss, Miss, <laughs> something like that. But yeah, that's the, the last thing we see of this sort of vision, because then Opera Guy finally gets away from his sailors, and he runs up, and he gets to be the real Satan by firing the harpoon into this harmless whale and totally killing him. <laughs> like, Yeah, then we get told by the narrator not to be sad, because yeah. now... Just because. <laughs> right, because the whale is now singing in heaven. Yeah, but that's not a reason to not be sad. <laughs> and that's how we end our movie. Like, It's true. Don't be sad, the whale's still singing, he's just in heaven now. Yeah, he also mentions Go that home, it's, everybody. That it's sea creature heaven. Well, yeah. Which I don't want to go to. No, that doesn't sound terrible. <laughs> you get to go sing on forever in Davy Jones's locker slash heaven. <laughs> but where tickets are sold out. Because not everyone's invited in heaven. <laughs> right, yeah. Get your tickets early. <laughs> the door is locked at seven. So, yeah, that is Make Mind Music. Uh, yeah. It was something. It was an interesting film. I was less bored than I was during Three Caballeros. Maybe it's just because things moved quickly. We didn't get 20 minutes of a Spanish woman dancing. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it was 10 pieces, and I'd say maybe five or six of them were pretty interesting. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a good ratio for Disney. Uh, and the ones that weren't were pretty short. So what can you complain about? And a lot more variety than, like, Fantasia, because, I don't know, maybe it's just because it was all in much more bite-sized pieces, but you get, like, oh, that was a thing, and then now we're we're, uh, talking about Casey at the Bat, and then now there's singing, dancing, uh, musical instruments, and now there's Peter and the Wolf. Like, it was just a variety, which is, I wouldn't complain about that, you know? It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what we have to say about the next movie uh, that we're about to talk about. Do you remember which one that one is? It's fun. And, of course I do, because we've already watched it. <laughs> oh, of course we yeah. have. Uh, the next movie we're about to talk about, Fun and Fancy Free. That's right. And that's, uh, you know, we're as soon as we're done wrapping this up, we're going to jump right into that one, and you won't be able to tell that a couple of weeks have passed. Yeah, so, so. it'll be interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess I'd say I wasn't overly enthralled by any part of this film, but I wasn't mind-numbingly bored either, so... That's if you want to take that as a recommendation, (laughs) feel free. Yeah, but you didn't seem to enjoy it even that much. I liked the pacing of it, and there were you know two or three segments that I enjoyed. Um, Right. It seems like it could be a your kid needs to take a nap. Pop this in. (laughs) Probably Uh, the same way. Really, all three of the shorts that we've talked about so far have read. Well, that puts us at the halfway point of these shorts so far. We're not ranking them uh, as we are our real Disney things, but. If you wanted to rank what you've seen so far, uh, do you know which one you'd put at the top? <laughs> Probably Saludos. It'd be a three-way tie for last. Saludos, then this, and then Caballeros, and then, uh, that's, you know. That's fair, yeah. I don't want to say where I would put Fun and Fancy Free. Yeah, yet. we'll wait till uh, we talk about that one and yeah. watch that one first. <laughs> so, here we go. Fun and Fancy Free. That's What'd right. you think? Well, I thought it was really... Uh, all right. How about you? Yeah.
you know, it's another movie that we watched. Right. Uh, this one's a little bit different from what we saw in that it's only two stories, not that, not ten, like Make My Music helped, or whatever. I think. I think that helped. Yeah, definitely, because we're not dealing with, like, three minutes to, to tell an entire musical thing. It's just, let's stretch these out. They're kind of like, I mean, I think they were perhaps in the beginning, like, early production being talked about being their own feature films. Didn't happen then but still 30 minutes is easier to develop a story than uh what we got in make my music yeah even if it's not a story worth developing in the case of uh, bongo oh <laughs> uh, yeah that's the way you feel the, st- the stories we're working with are bongo which is about a circus bear and mickey and the beanstalk which i watched a lot growing up did you uh, it seems like I remember watching it with you. I don't know that I... Yeah. Uh, maybe I watched it before you were around. I don't know. But I don't, I don't know where we got it, but it was it was a Grandma's House movie, so I watched it over but there. But definitely when I was watching... I didn't. I wasn't sure if I had watched it a lot when I was little until Goofy started singing his little song about all the food. And the da, 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 <laughs> yeah, da, da, the pizza-making song. Right, yeah. <laughs> Funiculi funicula. Right, uh, and then I remembered that I had seen that part before at least. Right. And I, you know. Yeah, I remembered watching it a lot but i didn't really remember any of the details of it like i remember that scene because jumping ahead i mean we're not just bongo comes first we'll be talking about that one but uh that scene where like donald goes fucking crazy because he's starving to death like that one kind of sticks with you after you watch it at age eight yeah it's pretty freaky yeah i mean it fits like we've portrayed donald each time he's shown up right as you know a maniac right anger issues yeah but before we get to that we've got uh bongo which is uh a short story written by Sinclair Lewis and point number one. Who is Sinclair Lewis and why do I know that name? Because I looked through his fucking like... He wrote something. Did I know. Guy? I know. Like I looked through his uh, Wikipedia page. Like I know I had to read something here and nothing jumped out at me. So I don't know. Is he the guy that wrote The Jungle? Should we research Upton this? Upton Sinclair. Okay. Different person. Should we research this before we started recording? Well, I tried to. I was going to pick your brain because I couldn't figure it out. I thought it was the Jungle Guy. So, Never mind. Did Uh, he write the Jungle Book? (laughs) I don't know. No, that's... Uh, Audience, if you have any information about Sinclair Lewis, uh, feel free to tweet in at us. But uh, I feel like if he were someone we should know, we would know. I think he was a short story person, like like an O. Henry. We studied him a lot in school. I just know, like, we're both English minors. Like, it seems like we would have... Well, I thought that was why it was jumping out at me, but I don't know. But, uh, yeah, um... Well, perhaps maybe before we start talking about Bongo, we could talk about a returning character that's at the beginning of the movie. That's true. That, uh, we hadn't seen in a while. Jimmy Cricket. Nice yeah. to see him. Always enjoy. He's all back. He's the sort of the host for this piece. Uh, opens by singing a number called uh, I'm a Happy-Go-Lucky Fellow, where he uh, basically says, I mean, the, the point of the song is like, there's a bunch of bad stuff in the world, but eh. You can be happy. Don't worry about it. Embrace ignorance is yeah. what seems to be his philosophy. The, gold, the goldfish is back too from Pinocchio. Cleo. Yeah, your favorite. The cat seems different. This does not seem to be no. the same cat. No, uh, Giddy, oh. not Gideon. Uh, uh, well, Gideon's a different cat. But uh, what is this cat's name? Geppetto. No, <laughs> <laughs> Geppetto the cat. Figaro. There you go. Figaro is yeah, not is here. Different. This cat seems more like the cat from uh, Cinderella, the Lucifer. I think yeah, is his name. Yeah. Lucifer. Yeah. Uh, some of the faces he makes. He was pretty creepy. Angry cat. And then I wrote in parentheses, "Where's Figaro?" But yeah. uh, I don't know. Angry cat killed Figaro and took his place. Uh, maybe. Well, I mean, clearly they're not in the same house as when. As the one Pinocchio yeah. takes place, so in. maybe just Cleo and Jiminy went they just to visit. Moved out on their own. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, 
they got an apartment together. <laughs> so once he finishes his song, he goes in another room and hits on a doll because yep, Jiminy's a, got a Jiminy. I yeah, guess. one of those. Oh, I I guess I didn't pick up on the fact that we're not in the same house because I thought it was another one of those weirdo Geppetto sex dolls you found. But uh, I mean, I think it's a different house. Like, there's all those. Like, it's well, it's live action for one. Uh, True. Kind of like an actual house, it's not live action because they're cartoons, but it's a, like right. a real house. I don't know how to describe what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, it's if you haven't already picked up on that audience. Right. But. Basically, Jiminy's point here is to uh, introduce, us, introduce us to the first piece, uh, which is a, a song. Uh, it says it's a song. He pulls out a record player, but it's really just sort of a semi-musical telling of the story of Bongo. This musical story is sung by Diana Shore, I believe, in Make Mine Music. Earlier this afternoon, when we discussed that film, I thought Dinah Shore was the name of a piece. It's a person instead, so that's a mistake on my part. <laughs> uh, I don't know what I was thinking an hour ago when we recorded this, but uh, I've since learned. And yeah, she introduces us to Bongo. He's a circus bear, and circus life in this uh, in this universe not quite as happy-go-lucky as it was in Dumbo. Because Bongo's not uh, getting much fulfillment out of this anymore. Yeah, like a lot of performers, uh, you know, he's happy when he's performing, but pretty miserable any other time. Right, life on the road. Yeah, a lot of uh, tragic tales Yeah, from the entertainment uh, world that follow that same model. Right. Uh, they introduce us to him through, like, uh, you know, big circus posters, all of his many talents. Apparently he kicks ass at jujitsu and wrestling and boxing, and he can juggle on a trapeze and all kinds of crazy stuff. Bear wrestling did used to be a thing. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, where they would have... Gentleman Ben or something was the name of, like, a, a wrestling uh, bear. I don't know. Pro wrestling started out as a fucking carnival sideshow, so right, there was so a trained a bear. Wrestled a bear, yeah. yeah Bobby Bob, Heenan wrestled a bear at yep. one point. Tracy Smothers, I think there's videos of him doing it too. Like, that was a thing for a long time. Daniel Bryan has a weird bear obsession. Oh, yeah. Imagine doing this to a bear. Be unbearable. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, Bongo is, like, locked in cages and treated pretty horribly. And uh, probably a much more true-to-life representation of uh, the circus than what we got from Dumbo. But he, uh, we find out he dreams of a life in the forest. Uh Wants to get away. Yeah, he hears the call of the wild. Yeah, because doing the same show every night uh, like this is sort of sort of killing him inside. So he escapes the train on his unicycle. Like you do. Yeah. And uh, it sets off into the woods to become a, like a true bear. He doesn't, he doesn't talk. He's another silent protagonist. So true bear is my words, not his. I don't know. Right. But uh, that seems to be his goal. And he's going out and he's prancing around like a dog he's very excited about his new freedom and uh gets to meet some other forest critters we see like uh i don't know if they were supposed to be chippendale but we see a bunch of chipmunks and i think they show up in even the pieces we watched after this one too so i don't know they got a lot of screen time but we quickly realize that uh he's not equipped for life in the wild by the looks of things now he was doing like one of the things he can't do once he gets in the wild is he doesn't know how to climb the tree or whatever right motherfucker but, can climb a trapeze that's what but I was about not to say. a tree like he had been climbing in his circus act right well uh, but i mean it's a different kind of type of climbing like i can climb a ladder i wouldn't know how to climb a tree right but you don't have bear claws well that's that's true i like to eat bear claws yeah. hey. that's a good point 
Yeah, somehow his incredible athleticism is completely worthless in a forest setting. You would so. think it would transfer in some way, but it appears not Apparently to. not, so he... But he just he, unicycles along. Right, he kind of gives up and decides to take a nap. We get a little sing-song here from the dinosaur person. But of course, he can't really sleep because of all the night noises. Right, which and is this a, is a Disney trope. Yeah, uh, my first thought was, which a movie we brought up like thirty times on this podcast already, and still haven't gotten to, the Mini Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, there's a scene where Rabbit's having to walk through the forest looking for Tigger, and he hears like it's the same kind of uh, tropes too, like a caterpillar eating a leaf is one of them, but it's really like <laughs> like right, scary yeah. forest noises, and. Uh, that looked pretty cool on the capture. Uh, but something we saw on Pinocchio as well, where like he, uh, Jiminy couldn't sleep because of all the noises of the clocks yeah. ticking. And... Yeah, but this is more like, uh-oh, there's scary things in the forest, and we also hear a wolf howl. Uh, everything's making too much noise, and it's uh, creeping him out a lot. Then, of course, a storm pops up out of nowhere. Yeah. Real warning. Lightning yeah, uh, attacks. Lightning bolts and also flies and bats, like, all attack him at once. Like, he camped out in some sort of nightmare scape. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what sort of town is on the outskirts of his circus, but apparently... Transylvania would yeah, be my guess. guess. So, right into the scary woods. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. You gotta look out for the midnight birds. Yep. No, nobody's... That's not for you guys. That's just us making ourselves laugh. It's a lot of the show. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so Bongo's cold, and a bird wakes him up in the morning, and he almost falls off a cliff. Like you do. It's having a real rough time, and now he's got to go try to catch food. He's Which, trying, of course, he can't do, because right. he's never had to before. Yeah. So he's trying to catch a fish, and it's not working at all. The fish just get laughing in his face about it. I feel like this is what happens when I go fishing the few times that I've gone. Like <laughs> It's about what it feels like. Not good. I don't I don't care for it. A lot of people... We live in Arkansas. Fishing's kind of a big deal here. Right. I, you know, I don't get it. Like, you gotta be quiet, for one. I'm not into that. Uh, <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you gotta touch gross shit. Like, yeah. your options are, like, worms or bugs of some sort. Yeah. You know, the fish themselves. The fish. If, the, which is not normally one. an issue right. for me. Yeah. You have to touch trees normally. <laughs> <laughs> right. Get caught in a tree. Right. Spend the next hour cussing at your line, trying to get it out <laughs> of the tree, and then you don't catch anything. Right. There's times where I think, man, I really want to go fishing, but then I really, I realize I really just want to go drink on a boat. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's all, that's, the fishing's just an excuse to do that, but, uh. Yeah, uh, I thought this scene felt very like Tom and Jerry with the fish and like laughing in his face while he's running around trying to catch it. I don't know. Just a disclaimer. Like everything else so far, this movie did not feel very Disney no, whatsoever. Yeah. We didn't talk about the opening credits, but they felt really cheap. You've got right. just simple backgrounds. Right. Uh, I don't remember because I've watched so many of these packages. Yeah, they movies. all are blending yeah. together at this point. But it's just simple. Like It's just not even like shapes and stuff. Like It's blue. This background is <laughs> right. blue. This one is red. Uh, Melody Time had a, a better one when we get to that, where it at least had like might be the only thing it did better. Well, no, but it had like staffs and like musical notes and stuff in the uh, credits, which right. was you know at least something to look at rather than look at this blue screen while we put <laughs> words on it. Right. Uh, so he meets a girl bear, which I'm sure was surprising to everyone that this would be where this story goes. I mean, they did tell us in the first line that it was a love story. Fine. Like, you shouldn't have been that surprised by it. That's been every plot to every one of these fucking shorts, though, has been, oh, here's the girl character. Not even and just she, the shorts, like Bambi 2. Right, like, and here's she the one. is all Twitter-pated, too. Here's she is one. giggly yeah. and flirting with him. Women, am I right? 
she plays hard to get and bongo runs around like an idiot trying to impress her and then they touch butts and finally meet that's what bears do we find out later what else bears do <laughs> right uh, to say that they love you right uh and then we get uh this has been another trope we've seen a lot of in these like the naked cherubs we're getting those they're I, at least they're bear cherubs they're bearubs in this one i but. enjoy this because they remind me of teddy grams <laughs> okay and then i got kind of hungry i like teddy grams i haven't had those in a long time the cinnamon ones oh, my that's favorite. the way to go i yeah. mean the chocolate ones are pretty good but teddy grams are the shit so yeah you can tell i'm really enjoying myself at this point because i wrote in my notes god we get it they're in love uh jake, jake is a true romantic <laughs> Look, this is movie number four of six. Yeah. <laughs> and none of them have been real winners. So their flirting is interrupted when an aggressive third bear arrives. Right. Well, first a whole crowd of bears well, gather around them to, I guess, watch this. Yeah. They're, there's not a lot going on in Pervert the bear bears, community. I guess. I don't know. Uh, but then the aggressive third one shows up and his right. name is... Lockjaw? Lumpjaw. Lumpjaw. not even Lockjaw. Oh. Lump. I lump wrote Lockjaw this whole too, time. because it's listened and was like, oh no, it's Lump. Okay. That's a name. He reminded me a lot of Pete from like the Mickey cartoons. Big old, like, Pete. The bad guy. The, the dickhead of Steamboat Willie. I, yeah, I don't know. I Goofy's don't know. neighbor. You fucking know Pete. Oh, is that the... Uh, nope. Uh, the, big, <laughs> the, the guy from the Goofy movie. Yes, the okay. big bear guy. He's Pete. Was, he wasn't friends with Mickey. I didn't know. No, he was traditionally the villain. I but had no idea. I think he's also a bear. Just their designs My were Disney knowledge is limited to the full-length movies. Uh, Fair enough. So... So they gotta fight. They gotta fight over the girl like you do. Right. Bongo tries to get out of fighting by showing Lumpjaw that he's, like, rich and famous. He's holding up posters of himself like, oh, don't fight me. I'm cool. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but I'm kind of a big deal. It reminded me a lot of the time Drew Carey uh, tried to offer Kane some money to not have him beat him up. We're just just gonna talk about wrestling. It's uh, more fun you than You gave this. us a boring movie, Disney, and we're just gonna entertain ourselves. Anyway, so Lumpjaw punches him repeatedly, and then, like, Girl Bear runs up and is like, no, don't, and then she slaps him across the face, and I wrote, what the fuck is that about? Girl Bear doesn't get a name, does she? I don't think of so. Of course not. Well, no one talks, so. Oh, right, but the song. Okay, Bongo has a name, and Lumpjaw has a name, despite I, not talking. Fine, I guess I, the song doesn't mention her name. Of course not, know. because her characteristic is she's a female bear. <laughs> right. Like, she's the one they all want to get with. Right. So Bongo thinks Girl Bear hates her, hates him now because of the slap. Like you do, like everyone would think that in but that situation. In bear, world. in bear World, bears say "I love you" with a slap. So uh, this sounds like you know he he hit me and it felt like a kiss kinda, or whatever that uh, like song weird is. like fifties justification yeah, of uh, spousal abuse. Yeah, it's not okay. Uh, domestic no. violence, not okay. Even in bear but world. But then then we get a hoedown about it, true, <laughs> where we yeah. sing like this kind of "If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands" song yeah. of a bear says "I love you" with a slap, and then they all slap each other and square dance. It's not okay. We're enabling the bears it's, to behave this way. It's the weirdest thing ever, and then it turns into like, oh, grab your partner round and right, round yeah, we get a full-on hoedown but right it's uh, 1947 i guess i don't know uh, yeah is that what year it is mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, you might like to read what uh normally i write the title of the film and the year right at the top i have this written at the top of mine <laughs> 194 all right i just forgot not, a digit so yeah. all right but uh yeah so i so after the hoedown's over then uh, he's gotta confront lump jaw again i guess 
Does that happen? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, he does. While okay. unicycling. I wrote, uh, he finally figures out the slaps meant the girl bear likes him. Nothing can keep this big bear down. So I guess they are fighting. Yeah. yeah and yeah. he's on destroying. On a unicycle. He fights him yeah. the whole time on the unicycle. Uh, they we got a bicycle. <laughs> they destroy the whole forest. And it both end up tumbling off a cliff. And then we get like, we're on a rolling log going down the the stream right and then they both go over the waterfall and it looks like the end but of course bongo what is the end but <laughs> the end uh, of the film it's like the end of the two bears right of course bongo craps onto that convenient uh branch right but Lumpjaw survived the fall too like he's just down in the stream below that still tumbling away but uh yeah and we end uh i actually we end with a, a refrain of the, the bear slapping love song. Right, because he walks back up to female bear who doesn't get a name and slaps her, and that's like how you, you know. do. Yeah. So when love comes along, don't be silly. Never ever waste your time like a sap. Let the others hug and kiss, but the bear facts are this, that a bear likes to say it with a slap. They slap each other. I do feel like in the Jungle Book, which we'll get to... Uh, Baloo is sort of, you know, he's kind of rough with Mowgli. Uh, he does slap him around. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's uh, that's canon for the Disney bear universe now. So. Uh, little John, less so, I guess. Uh, yeah, not really a I mean, violent he, guy. He slaps around uh, Sir Hiss a little bit. True. But I don't think that's because he loves him. I like that movie. I do too. I wish we watched that. Yeah, we got a long ways to go. Now we're back to pervy Jim- Jiminy Cricket macking on the doll. Who would have guessed? And this is kind of when the movie just takes a complete turn into left field. <laughs> Where yeah, we are given two stories here that have nothing to do with each other. And um, also two different setups. Like, yeah. the first one is introduced by Jiminy Cricket. I mean, he goes to the other house. Like, he's there. Right. But he doesn't really do anything, because now we get an entirely new host. Uh, it's a puppeteer guy, who yeah, I'm sure was famous. famous. He, Edgar something. Edgar Bergen is, is, his, is his, name. his name. He's in the Muppet I movie. thought that. I wrote that as soon as I saw him, because I didn't recognize him, but I recognized his fucking doll yeah. uh, that judges the, the uh, beauty contest. Just, I did a little research into Edgar Bergen, and here's how he got famous. <laughs> okay. He was a ventriloquist who worked on the radio. <laughs> a radio ventriloquist. I thought his mouth moved well, that, a that lot. Well, that was the thing when they were making the movie. He was not used to working in front of the cameras, so his skills had slipped a little. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, as, you know, as a result of only working the radio. <laughs> That's like you got a face for radio. Right, I wrote down radio ventriloquist. How fucking lame is that? <laughs> lips move while he practices. I mean, what, uh, his lips moves because he's out of practice. Right. Yeah. So he is hosting a birthday party for, I guess, his children. No, 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 no. Not his kids because <laughs> no. that would be okay. Because the girl's still calling him Mr. Bergen the whole time. Okay. So this is definitely not his daughter unless that's just a weird thing he makes his kids do. Like, show some respect, Dad. Damn it. So this is just a random little girl he has in his house filled with dump, with uh, puppets. <laughs> right. This is, I mean, maybe in 47 it's not creepy, but there's no way to watch it in 2016 right. without being like, the fuck is happening here? <laughs> it's a little creepy, but in terms of entertainment value, I just wrote, this is for babies. <laughs> so. Well, that, but it's also just fucking weird. Right. And perhaps this gives us a chance to talk about how much... Uh, I, we don't care for Jeff Dunham. Uh, <laughs> right, that's mostly what I was thinking of. To be fair, none of these puppets were racist. That's so true. Yeah, that helps. There's that. But I feel like it's... Hey, I'm not a very good comedian. What if I got this puppet and <laughs> right. I pretended I was funny? 
<laughs> oh, you're not good at magic? Tell a joke. Yeah, it's like that. Um, yeah, so it's just fucking lame. Now, I did enjoy the episode of Doug where they where he tried to become a ventriloquist. You know, to doy dot to death get ball. Oh, or... I know. I did. <laughs> I enjoyed it so much that in third grade, I did the same thing for talent show. So there you go. Yeah, I was the dummy in that one. Oh, no. So, what we're introducing here is Mickey and the Beanstalk. However, because it's being introduced by a ventriloquist and his puppets, uh, the puppets basically are like... What's the expression I want? Uh, they're Stadler and, Ward- and Waldorfing <laughs> that their way works. through this. <laughs> uh, the, like the peanut gallery is what yeah. I was going to say. Just snide comments and dumb jokes throughout the whole now, thing. I- were they in the version that you had on the tape? I don't, I don't recall so. any of they this. They originally recorded this before bringing in uh, the Puppet Master uh, <laughs> with Sterling Holloway. I saw that on Winnie Wikipedia, so I yeah. think that might have been what we I had. think that probably was. Because I don't remember a million times any of this. Better because... But how does the end of the film work then? If Because, spoilers... Uh, the giant shows up in the real Maybe world. Maybe that just doesn't happen. Maybe it just ends. Maybe. They escape and it's over. I don't, we shouldn't got to find that VHS from Nana's house. I guess so. Anyway, though, yeah. So Edgar tries to tell the story. His puppets keep uh, interrupting him because that's what they do, I guess. Uh, they gave me one good laugh, though. Oh? Yeah. Uh, if you're not familiar with the story of... Uh, Jack, Jack and the, the Beanstalk. Beanstalk. I feel like everyone is. But there's a magic harp, it disappears, and then the town goes to shit, and then now here's a poor family. <laughs> the only thing the poor family has is a cow. That the cow's old and dried up and not that useful anymore, so the narrator here is introducing the situation, and he says that the cow used to be a good milker, but then puppet guy jumps in and says, but now she's an utter failure. (laughs) And that made me laugh and immediately text my girlfriend that joke, because it was very silly. But yeah, our three protagonists in the poor family here are Mickey, Goofy, and Donald, so... They're three farmers who live together. They are splitting a single bean for their Mm -hmm. meal on some transparent-ass bread. (laughs) Right, cut it so thin you can see through it. Yeah. Donald (laughs) eats a bean sandwich and loses his goddamn mind over it because, uh, yeah, he's... It's clear this is dire straits here. We're starving to death, uh... And Donald goes kind of psychotic. Yeah, uh, he, he decides he's going he's gonna to kill that cow. Right. Well, before that, I mean, the narrators are trying to say, oh, they can make the best of the situation. And then we get another classic Donald yelling at a narrator to shut up, which that mm-hmm. that's happened in two of these films and has made me laugh both times. But uh, yeah, then Donald goes, uh-uh, we got to kill the cow. And we sort of cut back to... Uh, puppet family during this because little girl's like no don't kill the cow and puppet's like yeah you got to kill the cow because it's fucking food i mean it's short-sighted like you kill the cow you get several meals out of it but then what like true but i mean if they're eating bean sandwiches i think they're out of like options at this point and it's not like they're getting anything else from the cow but yeah donald uh he gets the crazy eyes going and a big like whacked out a psychotic smile and he grabs the axe off the wall before mickey and goofy even know what he's doing they like just turn around and see that he, oh he's already stalking outside with the axe and he's got the like red demon eyes and he just goes full-blown screaming his ass off after the cow and it's uh it's pretty scary stuff like that stuck with me as a kid fortunately mickey's able to get there and he yanks the axe out of donald's hand and donald still in crazy mode just starts gnawing on the cow's tail and it just uh it's pretty ridiculous. But at this point, the uh, the little girl 
argues like, no, you can't eat the cow. He's your best friend. So then she says, sell him instead. <laughs> like you do with your best friends. Uh, and who are you selling him to? Probably the butcher. But Well, right. And who's interested in this cow? Like it's... It not, doesn't it's, milk. It's malnourished. It looked as skinny as as the, the other three. Plus right. it doesn't milk produce milk anymore. Right. But... Uh, yeah, Mickey goes to the market to sell the cow. There's uh, I do wish we could have heard Mickey's sales pitch on this cow. Right. Like, it's probably about as good as the Wicked Queen from Snow White. Right <laughs> it's a animal. magic wishing cow. Yeah. There's actually, I don't know if you saw this, in early drafts there was going to be a scene where Mickey was in the market and we were going to see a return of two characters. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, we were going to see Honest John and Gideon. Oh, well, that would have more, nice. more Pinocchio characters. Heard their sales pitch on the magic beans. That would have been right, interesting, Right, that would too. have been fun. It's unfortunately cut for time, but... Uh, we didn't talk about this earlier in the Bongo part, but originally <coughs> Bongo was going to interact with Dumbo while at the circus. They were going to have scenes together. That wouldn't have been as fun. Uh, no, I wouldn't have been happy to see <laughs> Dumbo unless, uh, you know... We got to see the bitchy elephants again, and we could yeah, have maybe. seen what they were up to. And they were just like, that bear will never make it on his own. Uh, Bongo, who'd he ever beat? <laughs> so, but yeah, so Goofy and Donald are like, they're back at the house. They're so excited. They're singing a big happy pizza making song yeah, about it. And all the food Mickey's yeah. going to come back with, and instead... Pancakes, dumplings, piled up so high, whatever right. else he's singing about. Sure, Goofy's much better than my Goofy was from a previous episode. I don't even remember you doing a Goofy. Not good. But yeah, Mickey's like, oh, I bought... I traded the cow for magic beans. That's what's going right. to save and us. And Donald is rightfully pissed right. about this. Yeah, so everything goes to shit. They have a fight. The beans all tumble out, and we leave the scene. Then it gets to be nighttime, and holy shit, the beans start sprouting up in this weird, you know, beanstalk, obviously. You guys know the fucking tale here. It lifts the whole house up to the city in the clouds, right? where, you know, uh, Lando Calrissian is waiting on them, and... <laughs> Yeah, Darth Vader cloud, set a cloud trap. city, yeah. obviously. Do you want to talk about the Waddlebirds version of this? There is, yeah. There's a fantastic uh, adaptation of. Do we know if it is or not? <laughs> of Jack and the Beanstalk with Gene Kelly. Also Disney. I thought this is might it be Disney. Is it not? I don't know. It's like half animated. I thought, I thought it, it would be. Okay. Sure. Yeah. If it's not, then forget I said that because we won't review it. Yeah. I was going to say we might should review it. but think Hanna-Barbera, but I'm not sure. Either way, Gene Kelly. We'll look into it. Live action cartoon. It's something. The Waddlebird Walks. Right. <laughs> we watched that as a kid. I don't remember a damn thing about it other than the Waddlebirds. And I only remember those because that's what we call the fucking bird things in uh, Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. I guess they're, they're from each. Yeah, I guess they're from Super Mario Sunshine, but I never played that game. The ones that throw your cart up in the air yeah, in Peach the Beach. Bastards. Yeah, <laughs> them. So it grows up. It goes into the Cloud City, and then in uh, Giant World. Yeah, like in Mario. Mm-hmm. And there's big ass dragonflies. So in <laughs> there's another puppet line here. Uh, dragonflies. Yeah, it's a fly in front and dragon behind. <laughs> I. <laughs> There wasn't a lot to write home about in this movie, man. Speaking of Mario, uh, you have not played the the Wii U uh, Mario, correct? Or have you? Be more specific. The, the side scrolly one. Side scrolly. Okay. New Super Mario Bros. Wii U. Okay, well that one. No. Uh, in Giant World, in that one, if you jump on a turtle or a Goomba, they split into four other ones that are small now, and then they keep coming after you. So you end up having to jump on it, I guess, five times to kill it. Sounds shitty. All the way, yeah. It's a thing. Going anywhere with this, nah, sir? You should play. It's fun, but oh, okay. that's that's a new thing. Uh, Not new to anyone who's right. played. The game came out like five years, three years ago. Yeah. Um. 
So yeah, dragonflies are flying over. They're riding on a boat. Donald pretends to shoot down the dragonflies with a machine gun because good guys. <laughs> the boat takes on water, but then I think a dragonfly is about to eat him. But all of a sudden, a giant fish jumps up and eats the dragonfly. There's always a bigger fish. It's our second Star Wars of the episode. Now we're climbing up to the castle, and we're all excited because there's giant food on the table, and you know we've been starving to death. All this food on the table, lots of options. Goofy goes right for the green peas. Like, what the fuck are you doing? There's jello right there. Yeah, yeah. This scene uh, reminded me of Beauty and the Beast, right? When uh, the old crazy old Maurice uh, first goes to the castle, discovers all the food yeah. um, and all that. It's been a long time since I've seen Beauty and the Beast. Out. Good stuff. I know, I'm looking forward to that one. But yeah, while we're up there, we discover the missing harp from before. It's in a locked treasure chest, and they want to help the harp help rescue her i think we cut back to the kids at one point here but i don't i didn't write anything about it so i don't think anything was accomplished but then while we're here we're eating the food we're ready to save the harp then here comes the giant and uh he is one derpy ass giant like i yeah. get you don't want to be scary for the kids I, I guess but uh he's quite a silly man yeah i wrote down happy full of himself and dumb as fuck right uh, singing i'm the most amazing guy right and he does seem to have pretty cool powers where he can hey. turn into whatever change his size know, and disappear which is pretty i mean most i don't think most giants are magical like i feel like their power is that they're big just being but a this giant particular giant happens to be a shapeshifter uh, right that's pretty awesome uh he finds them because they were hiding in his sandwich and uh you know he you puts know, pepper on a sandwich you know and makes voiced, mickey sneeze speaking of sneezing you know nope. who voiced him oh mel blanc no but okay. the guy who voiced sneezy in, okay that in, sounded uh, pretty White. similar yep. so he's gonna kill mickey because he finds him and mickey's standing on his palm he distracts him by reading his palm telling him his fortune i guess and then uh uses that to sort of get the giant talking and wants him to turn himself into a fly to demonstrate his powers right the drag or the giant at first does not want to do that he wants to turn into a, a big pink bunny right uh, like you insist. do no i don't want to you don't need to be a big pink bunny i want you to be a fly he insists that it needs to be a pink fly if he's going to do it of right course. but then he just turns into a bunny instead right uh and he, he doesn't really have the power to turn into anything. He's what just a just, bunny. That's the only power. It's like, I can turn into anything as long as it's a pink bunny. It's like a meat wad with the hot dog and igloo pose. <laughs> but yeah, he realizes they're trying to get the better of him and he locks them away in uh, the same box that the harp is in. But Mickey's able to avoid capture. He escapes and frees his friends. I jumped ahead. Uh, he's able to avoid capture. So he's like the giant. The harp starts singing to put the giant to sleep. He's got to sneak down into the giant's pocket to get the key to save his friends, and hijinks happen. Right. As she's singing, she kind of instructs Mickey where to go. Like, yeah, that was pretty clever. Uh, the instructions, which the giant doesn't pick up on because he's too drowsy and groggy right. by that point. It's stupid. <laughs> that too. There's a snuff box in his pocket as well, which causes Mickey to sneeze, which causes the giant to wake up, and it's a whole big thing. But Mickey escapes, frees his friends, ready to escape with the harp, but... Uh, Stops to uh, tie the giant yeah, shoes Yeah, he's trying together. to work a little more than he needs to. He's going to stop and tie the giant's shoes together, but wakes him up in the process, and it's like, oh shit, now we got to run. They escape out the window, run down the beanstalk, start sawing it down. Uh, Donald actually gets sucked into the beanstalk and smushed by it, and that made me laugh. That's one. But yeah, and then the, the beanstalk falls, and the giant falls, and it looks like he's dead. Happy Valley becomes happy again. And then we cut back to the house where puppets are talking and whatever the fuck else happens. And it's like, oh, giant died. Oh, well. 
I think the little girl's upset that he died or something like that. I like, think so. He right. wasn't and a bad he has giant. To explain that the giant's not really dead, and then, and then course, all of a sudden the roof gets ripped off the house, and the giant's there. He's like, "Have you seen a little mouse anywhere?" And that, that's the end. The giant walks around Hollywood looking for yeah. Mickey. We don't know what happens to the girl in what well, we can assume what happens to the girl <laughs> in the puppet master's house. I guess so. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, yeah. So, really silly ending, but overall, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was just nostalgia mostly. It's, it but, was fun. Yeah. Um, even if you weren't not, weren't even if you weren't that nostalgic about it, right? It was still pretty fun. Could have uh, done without half. the fucking Bong, puppets. Bongo is yeah. Bongo, not a lot to write home about, but I think I enjoyed this more than like make my music. You no, know? Well, easy. Yeah. Didn't really give a shit about the slapping bears, but you but, know, killed an hour better than some of these other ones have so we're not uh as we've said uh, on the previous episode and earlier in this episode we're not scoring <clears throat> these package movies right. we're just talking about them getting them out of the way they weren't ever really intended to be full-length films on their own they were sort of just pieced together and right and let's just churn these out as quickly as possible uh so in this episode we talked about make mind music and now uh fun and fancy free fun and fancy what it's called <laughs> easy to forget uh, should be called forgettable and fancy free <laughs> i guess oh, that's four of these films now i think by default this one's at the top of my list of these four but so we've got i mean saludos amigos was interesting you know yeah it can be a little boring and a little lame because right. you know what it was of being you know what if we <clears throat> made a movie about south america right uh but Caballeros was a sleeping pill. Yeah, Caballeros was not good. Make uh, Mine Music was like 50% good, 50% yeah, shit. it was hit or miss. Um, right. So we've got, in the next episode, we'll be covering two more of the these The final these two of these. Films. Fortunately, the final two right. of them. And they are Melody Time and uh, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Mm-hmm. Which will basically fit the format of this episode we just did because melody time is very similar to make my music where it was like 10 fucking films and uh ichabod and mr toad is just two whereas similar to what this is so two that they at least uh tried to tie together unlike this film where yes yeah. jiminy goes from house to house but right very separate entities melody time doesn't try to tie anything together no. it's just boom 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 here's, boom here's some shorts yeah. but uh yeah one more of these bonus episodes to get through and then finally time for the good ones again but uh, as we mentioned earlier in this episode we're all we're on itunes we're on soundcloud mm -hmm. now um check us out yeah just search dudes watch disney on whatever it is you want to search and uh our twitter's at disney dudes pc we need more than two followers so Come on. Followers. Followers. <laughs> uh, I was actually tweeting up a storm watching Melody Time, so... Oh, well, good. Yeah. It was something. Yeah. Which, also, anyone who looks at that will know that, like, <laughs> we probably sat on this for a month before it well, got released, I mean, but... It has taken a while on some of these, but... Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, if anyone is interested in that, I was saying every two weeks before I knew what it was like to make a podcast... <laughs> That probably won't happen. It'll be sparing, but I'm working on them when I get the opportunities. I work about 60 hours a week at my real life job, so not the most free time. And also I have to spend time watching six fucking dumbass movies in a row like this. So that it adds up as well. But he suffers for his art. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, I guess that's all we got here. So... Until next time. Yeah, thanks for joining us on this bonus episode. I'm Jake. I'm Dustin. And we'll make it through one of these days. <laughs> See you next time.
Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Jake here, reminding you all to like, rate, review, but most of all, subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, so no matter which podcast venue you like to use, we're there and we're not hard to find. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter, at DisneyDudesPC. The PC stands for podcast. We also want to hear from you guys. If you have any fun childhood memories or fun stories about these films, please shoot us an email and share them with us. We'll read them out on the show. Our email address is dudeswatchdisney at gmail.com, so please send us your thoughts and join in on the discussion. For reference, the next two films we're going to cover are Cinderella and Alice in Wonderland. So if you can email us your thoughts before we sit down to record again, we'll be happy to share them with the world. Or the small portion of the world that subscribes to this podcast. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, bye! Bye!